Hello, and thank you for stopping by this science fiction podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado. Today we're presenting the short story Concerning That Whole God Thing by Curtis James McConnell. Jimmy grew up in Texas, then visited all 50 states. He says Alaska wins. He's done all sorts of jobs, including secret shopper, dealer in a casino, stand-up comic, and 911 operator. If asked, he'll tell you how he came to be B.B. King's half-blood brother. He wrote the original version of this story in seventh grade, asking, wouldn't it be cool if there were an infinity globe and a guy had one? Now the reader can factor either the existence or absence of God into the infinity globe scenario and develop his own ideas about how that changes things. You can download more of his stories from alfiedog.com and he has a new story out from Bluewood Publishing entitled Coffin Drop. Our thanks to Curtis James McConnell for this highly entertaining story, which first appeared in the Third Flatiron anthology, Universe Horribilis. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website and subscribe on iTunes. And now, here's Concerning That Whole God Thing, read by Russ Rue. Concerning That Whole God Thing by Curtis James McConnell Concerning God, Charlie asked me, do you recall the first words man spoke to himself from space? That whole giant step for mankind thing? That would be the first man on the moon. Little before my time. Well, at least you didn't Google it, Charlie grinned. I laughed and tossed my linen napkin onto the plate. Well, you said no internet at dinner. I've never seen a table without plug screens before. Sometimes an old man gets tired of technology. Come on, Charlie, you're not old, you're 90. Charlie dabbed his dapper mustache and pitched his napkin on his plate. He rose and actually carried his dishes to the sink, cueing me to do the same. It was one of those old-fashioned sinks. It had been retrofitted with hypersonics, but Charlie had unretrofitted it, along with most of the other items in the house. Can I help? Charlie smirked at me. I doubt it. No offense, Colonel, but I believe washing dishes is no longer a skill set for your generation. Another thing before my time, I conceded. I was fascinated by what Charlie was doing. It was like watching someone make fire or fashion a spearhead. As he washed the dishes, Charlie returned to his question. The first man in space was a fellow named Yuri Gagarin, Russian, what they used to call cosmonaut. At the time, Russia was officially communist, and communism was officially atheist, religion being the opiate of the masses, that sort of thing. Atheists long before it was cool. As a huge middle finger to the non-atheists of the world, Comrade Gagarin was to look down from the heavens and assert, I see no God. Brutal, I said. There seemed to be no Santa chamber. Charlie merely dried the dishes with a towel. You're pretty flyback for a guy who teaches putes. I've always been interested in computers technology, and the web arts. I just leave it in my workspace. 
Out here in real life, I like things fly back. Charlie stood there, small, thin, defiant. His steel-gray mustache was clipped and groomed as if it were a show poodle. His steel-gray ponytail wasn't. His steel-gray eyes peered intensely beneath dull white eyebrows. So I see, I said. So I see no God, huh? Yes, and in all fairness to the good comrade, no one else has either. Which is why I asked you here tonight, Colonel. I want to show you something. Come on, Charlie. I'm not even in uniform. What happened to Mike? You're kind of here in your official capacity. Things go right. You might carry yourself far enough out that you do see God. I snorted. Yeah, right. Will, you're not in it for the lulls. Six months from now, your trajectory will carry you further out, up, than anyone in human history. Lulls? What are we, back in 2016? My terms be flyback, too. Deal with it. Come. Charlie led me to a door. He swiped the scanner. Instead of the door opening, the scanner box itself flipped open. Charlie then took an actual metal key from his pocket and used it on a mechanical-type lock he'd replaced the scanner guts with. We went downstairs into a poorly lit lower floor. As we stepped onto the floor, Charlie sang, Bargain basement, socks, clocks, bagels and locks. Watch your step, please. You're a kook, you know that, Charlie? Do you even know what a bargain basement is? I don't even know what a basement is. Just the term for underground floor. Used to be, you know, before your time. Yeah, like lulls. Charlie went to another door. It was poorly fixed. There was actually a gap beneath it with light bleeding out of it. No scanner box this time, so I could see for reals the hole Charlie stuck the key in. That is so cool, I admired. It was here when I bought the place. Charlie opened the door. We walked in. I didn't see any glow bugs, not even any flyback phosphorescent bacteria. The room was lit by some kind of orange ball hanging from the ceiling. I squinted at it. That's new. Huh? Charlie looked up at the thing on the ceiling. The light bulb? So new, it's hundreds of years old. Now you're just messing with me. Never mind. Here's your reason for coming tonight. Besides humoring an old man. Old friend, yes. Old man? Again, 90. Charlie stood aside and let me observe a globe hovering in the room. I couldn't see any quantum flotation generator, so I assumed he had a juiced one under the floor. The floor was unfinished dirt. As I walked up to the huge globe, Charlie said, Make sure you don't touch it. Don't even lean too close. Come on, Charlie, I've seen a 3D-printed Google Earth before. Museums weren't before my time. No doubt. You've never seen an infinity globe before. No one has but me. I had to admit it was excessively accurate. Where'd you get this? Told you. Came with the house. Cute name, I said. 
Here's why, Charlie said, and he plucked one of my hairs. To my astonished look, he said, Yours are stiffer. With excruciating care, Charlie poked the hair onto the infinity globe. The room shook. The whole house shook. Charlie walked over to a desk station. He fired up the wall screen to some standard satellite imagery. He zoomed in. Charlie explained, There, that's about six Ks away. Pretty close. My lens implants need adjusting on the microscale spectrum, but I got pretty close. Considering your ranch is what, 87 square Ks? Good thing, too. Less chance of me killing somebody. Here, take a look. There was a fresh crater. I processed this. You mean... Told you you had stiff hair. Now you are messing with me. Charlie shut off the wall screen. That's why I call it the Infinity Globe. I figure there's an 87 square nanometer ranch represented somewhere on this globe, and in it has got to be a little teeny house with a little teeny bargain basement, and in that has got to be a super microscopic globe just like this one. And on that globe... To infinity and beyond, I get it. So, Colonel, when you get far enough out in six months... Yes? Tell me if you see God. Wow. Holy hell. Well, and what infinity of coincidences brought you, the Infinity Globe, and me this mission? Not sure. Could be God intelligently designing things to come out that handy. Could be some kind of data array. Virtual universe. Cheese in a mouse maze thing. So maybe the moon is made of green cheese? <laughs> now that's even before my time. I clasped his shoulder. All right, old man, I'll tell God you said sup. Three weeks later, my crew and I ended our staging on ISS-3. After all the public speech-making and stuff, I retired to my pod and confirmed that my private vid link to Charlie's bargain basement still worked once we cleared the Phi bubble. Charlie wished me Godspeed. As the Pegasus came out of the moon's gravitational slingshot, I etched one of those novelty laser postcards onto a crater for Charlie to see with his real telescope. It said, Haven't seen him yet. The checker wouldn't let me capitalize the H. I calced by the time I overrode it, we'd be out of the etcher's range, so I left it. Even with a data stream current going super bosonic speeds, by the time Charlie died four months later, our lag was over eight minutes. The world died during those eight minutes. That eight-minute lag prevented me from saving you. The possible answer to Charlie's question was still weeks away. So far, I hadn't seen God, but it seemed sad and unfair that Charlie would die before our spacer got to the general area he and I had agreed upon. I wanted to tell Charlie how sorry I was. I wanted to tell him how mad I was at him for asking the question and not sticking around for me to answer it. Instead, I wandered his house, not even a ghost, just a virtual approximation of a haunting. I did this for several day cycles. The eight-minute lag had no impact whatsoever. I couldn't know how crucial it would come to be in just a short time. 
It was the last day of Earth. Touring Charlie's house was now routine. I scrolled through the various cam links in Charlie's house, just a sentimental tour and fond farewell to an old and interesting friend. Fittingly, I saved the bargain basement for last. I lingered there. The door opened. Two of Charlie's ex-wives came in. Though I hadn't seen them for years, I recognized them. I suppose they had been conducting a sentimental retrospective of their own, touring the house physically. They sauntered around and looked at the infinity globe. They discussed it briefly. The last words I heard from planet Earth were, Who knows? You know Charlie and his projects. As they walked towards the door, I began screaming into the link. Even if I had known I was already eight minutes too late, even if that had registered in my brain, I would have yelled. As they wistfully opened the door and began to exit the room, one of them casually reached to the switch on the wall and turned off the light. In dismal, cold, and bleak, ferocious darkness, an utterly dead planet orbits the pitiful cinder of a dead and frozen star. We cannot return. I see no God. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Music and sound production were by Andrew Cairns. 